Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The Greenville Oaks Church of Christ seeks all who need Jesus and together are becoming His fully devoted followers, encouraging and equipping people to love God, love people, and serve others in an ever-growing way of life. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Riley Sturman. Riley Sturman. I've been serving as the youth and preaching intern for the summer. I'm so glad uh, to be up in front of you finally, and I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Um, I hope you all had a great holiday weekend. Um, If this is your your first time joining us, welcome. Um, If you don't know, this summer we've been working through uh, what I have found to be a very challenging series on the Holy Spirit, um, where we've taken a look at this person of God who maybe hasn't gotten as much of our attention in church uh, as, as father and son. And I have loved the opportunity to become more acquainted, um, and I hope that's true for you as well. Um, I think the fact that the Holy Spirit doesn't get as much of our attention boils down to a lack of understanding Um, a lack of concrete knowledge about the Holy Spirit. Um, In in what is already a very difficult-to-grasp concept, the Trinity, uh, the Holy Spirit is the least tangible of those three persons. I think it's a little easier to wrap our hands around God, the Father, and God, the Son, especially since he was incarnated into a human body here on earth. But the Holy Spirit is just something else entirely uh, that's very difficult Uh, to wrap our head around. And and that's where the idea of the Trinity actually comes in handy. It actually does a little bit of work for us. Because we do believe in three distinct persons, yes, but we also say that they are all one. And, And because of that, they are intimately connected in a way that we don't fully understand, but we do acknowledge in our belief. And with this in mind, I think we can learn plenty about the Holy Spirit uh, by looking to God the Father and God the Son. And today I want to do just that. Specifically, I want to look at how Jesus can inform our view of the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you with grateful hearts. Thankful for the life that you've given us. Thankful for the blessings you've placed in our life. And thankful for the opportunity to gather in worship of you. God, today we ask that you open our hearts to receive what you have prepared for us. And may you open our minds to become more aware of you and your presence. And God, give us faith to believe what we don't understand and can't understand. That in those times when we cannot wrap our minds around the truth that you bring, you give us the faith to narrow the gap. And God, I ask that you'd speak through me today. Help bring a word through the message that I've prepared. 
And I ask these things in your holy name. Amen. So as Colin pointed out last week, we in our faith tradition, Church of Christ specifically, we love to focus on the question of salvation. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Don't hear that. But our emphasis on salvation shapes how we view the life of Jesus. So when we talk about Jesus's ministry with this in mind, we tend to focus a lot of our attention on the cross. And rightfully so. This is the fulfillment of everything that Jesus came here to do. But I want to argue that Jesus accomplished more than just the resurrection in his time on earth. I think it's important that we learn from the ministry that came from the years leading up to his death. And one of the things that Jesus came to accomplish with his ministry was the announcement of the good news or the gospel. The good news that the kingdom of God was finally here, was finally breaking in to the world that we know. And the truly revolutionary part of his ministry was not just that piece of information, was not just that the kingdom was here, but the fact that we could work to bring that even closer. We could work to make that happen more and more. You see, when Jesus sent out the 72 in Luke chapter 10, he commanded them, go heal the sick, and when you do, tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to them. You see, Jesus mounts a spiritual military campaign, spreading far and wide, aggressively attacking the forces of evil, helping the kingdom reach everyone. And he displayed some of this work in a number of different ways. And these are ways that I want to pay careful attention to. The methods that Jesus used to help usher the kingdom into our age. See, for one, he both taught and modeled what the life of the kingdom of God looks like. The biggest example of this we have is in the Sermon on the Mount. We have three chapters where Jesus describes a life where people love others before themselves, where they forgive others, where they speak and act with integrity in the most righteous and upright ways imaginable, where they practice their righteousness for God and themselves and no one else. He speaks about a community that sounds impossible and then he lives it. He shows what it looks like. And more than that, he showed them how this sort of life could transform a community here and now in this world. Through his ministry, he brought all sorts of people together that had absolutely no business interacting with one another. Tax collectors and fishermen, Pharisees and prostitutes, rebels and Roman soldiers all came together. And not only did they exist in the same space, they shared meals. They spoke with one another. They shared with one another, and they learned from Jesus, the Son of God, together. With Jesus, the boundary lines that existed in society that divided people of class, of race, of gender, all of those lines started to fade as he invited people in. And lastly, Jesus worked to bring hope to the poor the sick, the marginalized. 
All those people with zero power in society whatsoever and zero authority, no autonomy. This message spread like wildfire because it was brought to the people who needed it most. Jesus granted these people without hope the gift of looking forward to seeing what God was doing in the world. He told them about a kingdom that was better. He told them about a kingdom where everything would be made right. And because of that, he brought hope to the hopeless. And it's this hope, especially after Jesus' resurrection, after salvation has been achieved, that drives us even today. See, we know that the kingdom of God hasn't been fully realized yet. Despite what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, that the kingdom of God is near. We know that it hasn't quite come. And we know that because we can look around in the world and see pain and division and war and hatred We can see all those things that are very clear markers that Jesus' kingdom is not quite here yet because those things have no place in the kingdom that Jesus talked about. Part of being a Christian is living in anticipation of that time that Jesus talked about. When he would come back and be established as king forever. When he would renew the world that he created. When he would bring about the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. And when we would be caught up in perfect relationship with him and with each other. And there would exist only love in this kingdom. Until that day, we hope. And our hope is set not just in the promise that Jesus made but also the gift that he sent after his ascension into heaven. After Jesus was taken up, his spirit was sent to continue the work that Jesus had begun. In the second half of the book of John, we have one of our most profound teachings on the Holy Spirit in our entire Bible. And in it, we see the most important identifying features of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to join me, I'm going to begin in John chapter 14, and we'll be moving uh, in, verse, in chapters 15 and 16 later. But we're going begin, to be beginning uh, John chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. Let's look at this. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, here we see that the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus, teaches believers. He's carrying on that tradition, that work that Jesus did. And I love that Jesus is saying that because he's leaving us with the Holy Spirit, he's leaving us with peace. These two gifts go hand in hand. They're completely inseparable. Specifically, this is his peace. The peace that comes from the knowledge that God's work is still going on will certainly not be stopped after the death of Christ, will not be stopped after the resurrection of Christ, and will not be stopped after he is taken up into heaven. Let's continue. John chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. 
he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. See, here we start to separate the Holy Spirit from Jesus a little bit. Because here the Holy Spirit takes on a mission a little bit his own. He's bearing witness to Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, this is what they have in common with the Holy Spirit, with this person of God. They're both going to testify to what they have seen and what they have heard and learned from Jesus so that the gospel can continue to press outward. Moving on to John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This one is a little more difficult to unpack. Uh, There's a lot going on here, but I want to give it some special attention. First, Jesus says that the spirit will guide us into all truth. The spirit here serves to lead us back to God, constantly pushing us in a direction that orients us towards the face of God, the source of all truth. He works in and among us, helping us to discern. And as Jesus says at the end of this verse, he will tell us what is yet to come. The Spirit helps keep our attention on what God is doing and why he's doing it. The fact that the end goal is coming and what it is that God is actually doing in this world. And next, the Spirit glorifies Jesus by passing on what he received from Jesus. The Spirit has a very similar mission as we do. Think about the end of Matthew, what we call the Great Commission. That's exactly the mission that Jesus gave us. It's the job that the Holy Spirit is doing, testifying, going out. We have this in common, drawing all attention back to Christ, exactly as we should be doing. And in this way, the Spirit seems like the loud, silent partner in the Trinity. He's pointing attention away from himself to Jesus. He's passing on everything that he's received from Jesus. Nothing is to the Holy Spirit's glory. It is all to Christ's glory. Despite his teaching, despite his work in the world, it is all for Jesus. And I know this is still a little hard for us to wrap our heads around, but there is something in common with all three of these that I want to pay special attention to that I hope we can all get. Let's go back to John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And again, John chapter 15, he will testify about me. And in chapter 16, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I'll say it again. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are intimately connected. 
They obviously have personal relationship with each other, but they're also working to accomplish very, very similar things. The Spirit constantly points backward to the life and ministry of Jesus and forward to the coming glory of Jesus. The kingdom of God coming at last. In other words, the Spirit was sent to continue the work that Jesus began. Everything that Jesus had started, this model of the Christian life, the transformation of community, and the hope being brought to those who needed it most, every single thing that Jesus came to do was continued by the Holy Spirit. The early church did exactly this. And it existed because of the power of the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost. They had everything in common. They ate around one table. They shared joy. They loved each other well. And of course, they they went out as Jesus commanded. They made disciples. They brought hope to the hopeless. And they expanded what we now know as the church. And it's here that I want to ground us a little bit and what the apostles knew about the Holy Spirit, but I think that we sometimes forget. The Holy Spirit is more than just divine presence. It's more than just the force governing this world. It's a spirit of action. It works. It goes. It does things in the world. And the Holy Spirit is personal in nature, yes, just like the other two persons of God, Father and Son. But it's also important to remember that the Holy Spirit exists and works completely outside of human interaction. The Holy Spirit does not need a human host to work. He is here. He is alive. He is working in this world as we speak to accomplish the same goal that Jesus had, ushering in the kingdom of God. And what's really amazing is that we get to be included in this mission. Not only does the Spirit continue the example of Christ, he empowers us to work alongside him for that mission. And we see this most clearly in the book of Acts. Five separate times in the entire book of Acts, the writer describes the people, uh, five different people as filled with the Holy Spirit. And every single time this description happens, it is immediately followed by some action, almost always action that results in more people being added to the church for the glory of Christ. This is helpful when we think about the role of Christians here and now. We know that we have a job to do. Go back to the Great Commission. We are to go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching. But the working of the Spirit should take a little bit of weight off of our shoulders. Because we are tasked with this job, but we are not solely responsible for the work of this kingdom. The Spirit works through us. The Spirit works around us. And quite often, the Spirit works in spite of us to help bring the kingdom of God's full entry into this world. 
And I think that this should sort of reframe how we think about our actions in the world, especially when it comes to missions. See, we tend to have this inner narrative when it comes to mission work that I would argue is just wrong. And I want to share my experience with that. And I want to know if this sounds familiar to you. About two years ago, I was working with a different church down in central Texas, and we took a trip up to Denver, Colorado to work with a ministry called Dry Bones. Some of you will have heard of this ministry. If you haven't, this ministry was started to go out and to help the homeless youths on the streets of Denver. Denver has one of the highest homeless populations in America, and of that homeless population, a significant percentage, almost two-thirds, is between the ages of 15 and 25. Some people saw this and they decided that was a problem. And so they went to the streets of Denver. And they just started interacting with the people there. They talked with them. They built relationships with them. They became friends with them. They built community with them. They started churches together. They had meals together. It's an incredible, incredible ministry. And as I was preparing to go, I was of the mentality that I was going to take Jesus. I was going to bring Jesus to the streets of Denver, Colorado at last. I'm sure some of you see where this is going. When I got there, I was shocked at what I found. I saw a community that had everything in common. They shared as much as they were able They shared meals. They shared belongings. I found a community that grieved together, that felt the losses of other people as their own, that mourned with death, with accident, with injury, with people leaving, with setbacks. They mourned together, but they also faced joy together. They celebrated with one another the wins that they experienced, the job interviews they got to go on, the meals that they got to be a part of. And most importantly, I saw a community where everyone was welcome. There were people there that otherwise had absolutely no business being together. People from all over the country, people from all over the world, people of different ages, of different races, different backgrounds, all there, sharing in common. I had the narrative backwards. I thought it was my job to take Jesus out on the streets. And what I didn't realize was that Jesus was already there, waiting for me to join. The gospel isn't something that we can possess and that we can physically bring out. And the Holy Spirit isn't just waiting around in the hearts of every believer for him to go and accomplish his work in the world. The Holy Spirit is already out there. The Holy Spirit is inviting us and empowering us to join him. And what we sometimes refuse to believe in this church is that the Holy Spirit is driving us to action, the same action that was accomplished almost 2,000 years ago in the early church. 
And this can take many different forms in our lives. The Spirit can pull us many different directions. And next week, Colin is going to speak on discerning the voice of the Spirit. But until then, I hope what we can agree on is that as baptized believers, we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now the question becomes, what are you going to do with that gift? Or more importantly, what is that gift going to do with you? For those of you who need the reminder, the Spirit doesn't have to call you to work across the world, out of country, out of state. There's kingdom work to be done right here in Collin County. Martin Luther once said that God himself will milk the cows through him whose vocation it is. These are all things that bring glory to God if that is the direction the Spirit calls us. Church, you have been chosen and empowered for the most important work that has ever existed on this planet. We've been invited to join the Holy Spirit in carrying on the work of Jesus Christ to bring the kingdom of God closer and closer Every day. This is the spiritual equivalent of getting called up to the Rangers from your t-ball game. This is big. We may feel out of our element, but that's okay. That's kind of the point. Because it's not our element. This is work that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. And there is plenty of work to be done. My encouragement for you in the coming weeks. Keep your eyes open. And ask yourself, where is the Spirit calling me? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you are active in this world, that you work, and that you have an end goal in mind. And God, now we just pray that we would glorify your name in whatever form that takes in our lives. We pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us become more aware of your presence and your invitation this week. And may we do all in the glory of your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you in your walk to find real significance in Jesus. Connect with us on Twitter. You can find and follow us there at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.